Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello, and thanks for joining us here for episode 575 with Dr. Marsha Reynolds. Marsha is a master coach who's sharing her secrets with us so we can be more effective. You'll learn one, key questions to challenge your thinking. Two, why it's more important to be present than perfect. And three, the value of a coaching buddy. So if you want to check out the show notes or the transcript or the links to items we've referenced, drop on by awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep, that's letters EP, 575. Now here's Marsha's story. Dr. Marsha Reynolds is a world-renowned expert on how to evoke transformation through conversations. She is the training director for the Healthcare Coaching Institute, North Carolina, and on faculty for coaching schools in China, Russia, and the Philippines. She's spoken at conferences and taught workshops in 41 countries on leadership topics and mastery in coaching. Global Gurus has recognized her as one of the top five coaches in the world for four years. Her books include Wonder Woman, Outsmart Your Brain, The Discomfort Zone, and her latest, Coach the Person, Not the Problem. Big thanks to Marsha for sharing her wisdom with us, and big thanks to our sponsors. Check them out. And big thanks to our sponsor, Acorns. Acorns makes it easy to start automatically saving and investing for your future. You don't need a lot of money or expertise to invest with Acorns. In fact, you can get started with just your spare change. Acorns recommends an expert-built portfolio that fits you and your money goals, then automatically invests your money for you. NerdWallet.com, whom I love on these sorts of matters, gives Acorns a whopping 4.7 stars and says, quote, if you want to make the most of your spare change, there's no better place to do that than Acorns. Head to acorns.com slash awesome or download the acorns app to start saving and investing for your future today and we got a legal disclaimer here it may not be representative of all clients tier one compensation provided compensation provides an incentive to positively promote acorns view important disclosures at acorns.com awesome investing involves risk including the loss of principal please consider your objectives risk tolerance and acorns as fees before investing acorns advisors llc acorns is an sec registered investment advisor brokerage services are provided to clients of acorns by acorn securities llc member at finra slash sipc for more information visit acorns.com here is Marsha. Marsha, thanks for joining us here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. Yeah, thank you, Pete, for having me on. Well, I'm excited because I think it's true that you are the only guest out of uh, over 500 who told a story that made me cry. So that was way back in episode 14, in a good way, in a good way. <laughs> that was way back in episode 14, and the majority of our listeners weren't with us then, so I'm going to put you on the spot. Can you bring us back to the time in which you were 20 years old in jail, <laughs> you instigated a riot, and then had a meaningful conversation with your partner in crime? I won't give away too much. Um, go. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Pete, um, I was a rebellious teenager like m many other people. Um, I since look back at my life and realized that uh, I had advantages a lot of other people didn't have. But... I was throwing them away and it, it went down this dark rabbit hole of drug abuse and ended up in jail. Um, and I was told by many people as well as myself that um, I, that was it, that my life was over, that I had ruined everything that I had created and there was no positive path out. Um, not a lot of people were believing in me. <laughs> And, um, you know, so you just survive in those situations. And that's what I did. But I'd gotten to know my cellmates and 
and helped them as much as I could because I was far more educated than than they were. Um, and I even would motivate them to take advantage of whatever they could in, in the jail. But I never saw the advantages for myself. But I did want to make a difference for them. Um, and so I was trying to get a reporter down to talk about bad conditions. And um, it kind of backfired. And we ended up the whole cell block on restriction and and uh, I said, this is crazy, and we need to um, do a, a protest against it. So I didn't see it as a riot. I saw it as a protest. <laughs> of course, my cellmates all thought I was crazy, but they said, well, whatever. <laughs> Sounds good. We support you. And so we, and it was, in my mind, it was a nonviolent protest. You know, we were just making a lot of noise, and then when they wouldn't listen to us, we threw our dresses off. And <laughs> tried to get their attention. Well, it did. And um, what happened was my cellmate and I, who had kind of instigated this protest, uh, they grabbed us and, and threw us in, in isolation. And it was like hitting bottom, not only literally, you know, figuratively, but literally, because they threw us on the floor and everything was ripped and bruised and I just felt so badly that I had dragged her into this. So I looked at her and I said, I am so sorry. I'm sorry I brought you into my crazy scheme and my awful life. Um, you know, you shouldn't listen to me. She pushed herself off the floor. She came over to me. She pinned me against the wall and said, you have no idea who you are. She said, you're so smart. You're strong. You care about people. You want to make a difference. You have to get who you are in here. And she pointed to her heart so you can make it out there. And it was at that moment that I recognized that I did have a spark inside of me. I did have the power inside of me to make a difference for my life and for other people, which was essential. But it was her and her courage and her seeing me where nobody else would. Everyone else said I was a failure, but she saw me and she brought that out of me. And I think that's what I've spent my whole career was like, how can we see each other and bring out the best in each other? So she launched me on that path. Mm. It's powerful and beautiful and just deeply resonates in particular with you know what I'm about. And it's interesting because uh, <laughs> just as I was prepping, I watched the scene from The Lion King in which Simba's father appears and says, remember who you are. And it's like that same notion of when you see and you recognize and you call it out, it's powerful and beautiful. Mm -hmm. And so, well, I'm delighted to have you back. Thank you. And, <laughs> and so you got some new stuff coming out. Coach the Person, Not the Problem, a guide to using reflective inquiry. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about the, we're going to use the word coaching a lot. So maybe we should define that. What exactly do we mean by the word coaching? Well, you know, I and so many people say, oh, I've been doing that all my life. Well, when I really learned how to coach, I realized, no, I haven't, because it's a specific technology and it's a learning technology. It's where we help people take the stories out of their heads and put them out in front of them. And say, let's take a look at your story, you know, and see where it works for you and where it's not working for you. You know, what are the beliefs that you're holding 
like I believe my life was worthless, you know, and what are the assumptions about the future that you're making? And uh, if there's a conflict of values, how is that holding you back? And what is it you really need? When we help people think about their thinking, then they can actually see beyond the stories that they're holding. You know, we always tell people to see outside of the box, but they don't know how to do that because they get stuck inside the box. So in coaching, we're helping them see outside of it by helping them first see the box. You have to see it before you can see it outside of it. And so um, the book, uh, Coach the Person, Not the Problem, is to help the person see their situation. It's not about me solving it. It's about them seeing their situation more broadly so they can see other possibilities and find a way forward on their own. And we use reflective inquiry. So where I'm just summarizing what I hear you saying, maybe paraphrasing it in a way that you might see it differently. And then I ask questions. And so I get you to think about your thinking. I become your thinking partner. So it's totally different from uh, therapy or consulting. It's a technology in and of itself, and it works on the middle brain, which is really where we learn and uh, create uh, behavioral change. So it's very effective. And, you know, all the degrees I've earned since being in jail, and, and there's been multitudes, has brought me to recognize the great value of when we help people think about their thinking in expanding who they think they are, how they see the world, and their ability to solve their problems. Mm-hmm. Well, that all sounds grand to me. I'd love to follow up when you, we talk about you know value and effectiveness and results. Can you share what are some of the most striking you know studies, results, case studies that really illustrate hot dog? You know, coaching <laughs> delivers a whole lot. Well. It's hard to measure um, coaching exactly to separate it out and say, okay, um, I did this and this is the results you got. But I can measure it by impact, um, by what people say, you know, change their life, which often they will say that, wow, you saved my life. You saved my marriage. <laughs> you, know? um, you, you kept me from uh, telling my boss off. <laughs> so... There are stories like that. I mean, certainly there are now ROI studies. The International Coach Federation has amassed thousands of studies that show that uh, coaching in companies increases engagement, increases productivity, stops turnover, you know, because when we talk to each other using coaching, um, we connect. But on a personal basis, Everything from, you know, I coached a bank president for years and I provided her the only safe space where she really felt she could show up totally as herself and just say what was on her mind and show whatever emotions and she wouldn't be judged and it wouldn't have an impact and scare people, (laughs) which helped her to sort through her problems. And she would always say at the end, you are so important to my bottom line, you know, because you helped me to think through things. I had a client call me and say, I'm so overwhelmed. I don't know where to start. I need you to tell me how to prioritize. And certainly I could have done that. You know, but I said, wow, you know, this is really interesting. You hold a very high position in this company. Prior to that, you were a very successful attorney. You went to a big law school. 
I have to think that somewhere along the way you knew how to prioritize, <laughs> you know, so I want to know what's stopping you now. And after a long pause, which always tells me they're thinking, she said, um, I've lost my way. I, I, I don't, I used to have a vision. I don't have that anymore. So I don't know why I'm here. I said, well, that's a different conversation if you want to have that um, than me telling you how to prioritize. And of course, for her to rediscover what was her her path forward, where she wanted to go, what she wanted to do, why it was a value for her to be at that company, she knew how to prioritize. She just needed to get her path back in order. So it's, again, simply that, that I challenged her thinking. I didn't solve her problem. I challenged her thinking that that made her recognize what her block was and how to solve it. So there's, I can have tons of stories where, you know, almost each session, you know, they, they think about things differently and have a different way forward. And I think that happens all the time with coaching. Well, so I'd love to get your take then in terms of everyday professionals, if we would like to be helpful in this way to our colleagues and friends. And, you know, we don't have years of, <laughs> you know, coaching experience and, and, and training and certifications. What are your tips in terms of how we can be helpful and what to do and what not to do? Well, the first thing is just don't jump in and tell them what to do, okay. <laughs> which is what we normally do. I mean, I do it too. <laughs> you know, somebody comes to you and says they have a problem. You turn around and say, do this. Well, they're not likely to do it. And that's also annoying. <laughs> so the first thing is just, okay, so tell me about the situation, how you see it. What is it you want that you don't have and what's getting in your way? And then just let them tell their story. And the best thing you can do is start by just summarizing, by saying, so you're telling me this, you know, and narrow it down because they're usually all over the place. You know, so this is what it is you want. And this is what, why you think you can't have it. Is that true? Right there, you're already helping them to see through the fog of all the craziness that's going on and the fear and the uncertainty when they can really nail down what it is they want that they don't have now and what's getting in the way, how valuable that is. So we summarize, paraphrase, um, encapsulate key words when they say, what I really want is this, to just give it back. So so what you want to create, you know, is is this, or, or we might even ask for a clear definition so like if somebody says, I'm tired, I might say, are you physically tired or are you tired of doing a job you don't like? There's a difference. You know, so sometimes it's just to clarify. And we can all do that. We can summarize. We can be curious about the meaning of the words they use. Try to sort through if they name a number of problems, you know, just list them out and say, which one do you want to tackle first? Those are all, you know, three really useful tools that anybody can use. Mm -hmm. well, well, I love that. And could you maybe expand a bit in terms of some, I don't know, key phrases or questions or scripts that are really excellent and frequently mm -hmm. yield good stuff, as well as maybe the opposite things not to say. And one of them, it sounds like it's just the broad category of immediately dispensing advice, which uh, Michael Bungay Stanier mentioned as well. The advice monster, he called it. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. He uh, gave me a nice testimonial for my book. 
Well, sometimes we ask questions that are really giving advice. Like, have you tried this? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Don't clever. do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I said, that's just advice disguised as a question. Don't do that. <laughs> um, you know, until somebody, I always say they have to beg me to give them suggestions. And then I'll say, okay, I'll give you a few ideas to consider. But in terms of a script, um, you know, I don't like giving people lists of questions because the questions should be organic. But we always start with really trying to get clear on the destination. What is it you really want instead of what you have? So people come to you with a problem and say, well, if you didn't have that problem, you know, what would it look like? I need to know the destination of the conversation. You know, where are we going with this? Too many times, um, you know, coaches get lost chasing clients because they don't have a clear destination. So be clear on where you're going. You know, what is it you really want here? Uh, And they'll backtrack. So you have to keep coming back to, are we still working on that? So it's not the problem, it's the outcome that we need to get clear on. So, you know, I say it's the bookends of coaching. We have an outcome. And at the end of a conversation, you need to say, so what is it that, you know, came up for you um, in our conversation? What did you learn? What emerged? And when they say the insight they got, then you ask, so what are you going to do with that? What step will you now take uh-huh. to make sure there's a commitment to action, to make sure there's progress? And, you know, when are you going to do it? And is there any support you need? So the bookends are far more structured. Where are we going? What did you learn? What are you going to do with that? But then in the middle, it's a more spontaneous um, interaction where, again, uh, I use a lot of summarizing. Uh, and I start with, so you're telling me this. Is that true? Did I get it right? So you're telling me. And I don't say, I heard you say, because it's not about, I don't want them to agree with me. I want them to look at their story. So you're telling me this, or can I um, see if I understand how you describe the situation? A lot of times, again, I, I bottom line it. You know, so you said you want to create this, and here's the three things that are getting in your way. Is that what you told me? Uh, which one do you want to work on first? So again, I'm just trying to drill down to the essence of what they want and what they think is getting in the way. This is really critical, you know, um, especially times like right now where everything's a mess, (laughs) you know, in our heads even more so than outside to help people sort through the fog, you know, so they can see clearly what they want and why they think they can't get it. And maybe some of that's true, but oftentimes some of it's not. They're just making it up because it's based in fear. So just laying it out, you know, summarizing, paraphrasing, uh, bottom lining, you know, the distinctions. Like I said to you, are you tired physically or are you tired of the work you're doing? Or is it that you want to find more energy in the job you're doing right now? Or you want to find the energy to get a new job? (laughs) You know, what is it exactly that you want when you say tired? So I'm just trying to help them sort through the words that they use because we don't do this on our own. You know, so I'm having you become a, a turn on your observer mind to observe your stories. Or as the educational reformer John Dewey said, we get people to climb a tree in their mind and look down on their thinking so they can objectively observe 
their stories and see the gaps in their logic and the inherited beliefs they've been saying forever that if you say it back to them, they're like, huh, I wonder where that came from, you know, or the assumptions about the future that they have no idea if this is true or not. And so it's really just, I receive what you say and what you express with no judgment, and I give it back to you to look at. And then I'll ask you questions to help you uh, sort through what is true, what is not true, what is real for you. Mm-hmm. And then I ask you, what'd you, what'd you get out of that? And what are you going to do with it? <laughs> you cool. know, and so um, I don't do like Michael, like, here's the seven questions you should ask. Um, I think that's okay. Um, but if you're sitting there trying to remember questions, you're not present with the person you're with. I think, uh, you know, my thing is they want you to be present more than they need you to be perfect. So they don't need you to ask the perfect question. They just need to know that you see them, you hear them, you value them, and you're going to help them think. All right. Lovely. So then can we hear more about what not to do? So we say your subtitle is coach the person, Mm -hmm. not the problem. So what does coaching the problem look like? One is giving advice or have you tried this? What are other ways that we may inadvertently go down the wrong path? Well, coaching the problem is the external problem, not the person. And so there's tons of problem solving techniques out there. You know, the five whys, why, 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 or SWOT analysis, where we look at, so what have you tried? What do you think you'll do? What are the consequences? What are the risks? What are the rewards? That's all fine. But um, they could probably do that without you. They just took the time to do it. So that's that's the external. Or somebody said to me today, oh, yeah, I had a, a leader once tell me to do look at what it is that I want to stop doing, continue doing, or do more of. Um, and I said, yeah, that's good ad- advice, but that's still outside of you. Um, why are you doing what you're doing in the first place? You know, what's the value? Um, each thing you choose to do, are you not doing it because you um, don't like it or you're afraid to do it? You know, what stopped you in the first place? So, again, I want to help you think through your choices, not tell you to go make choices. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, so could you maybe bring this all together by um, maybe a demonstration right here and now? If you would like to reflectively inquire with me, let's see how it goes. Well, do you have a situation that you'd like to explore a little bit? I think I am less energized, fired up than I have been historically. And I guess I think like, I remember, not that I relish these days, but uh, there were days in which I could, you know, crank out 13 hours of work in a day and just feel like unstoppably like the Terminator or something. <laughs> and now I'm just like, whew, half of that is challenging. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of on my mind is like, hmm, what's going on here? So I, I heard a couple things. One is that it seems to be situational. It's new for you to not have this store of energy that you had before. And I'm wondering if it's it's just like, are you worried about it? Or is it just like, oh, I have to do something and I don't know what to do? Am I worried about the lack of energy? I guess 
I just want it. It's like, I guess I fear, oh, am I on a trajectory in which I just sort of get old and um, lethargic <laughs> and sleepy all the time? And this is the beginning of that. I guess that's my fear in terms of what's going on here and what do I do about it? Okay. Isn't that interesting how we do that though? We go into, oh, I've got this forever now. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's not going to go away. So that's an interesting belief that probably makes you even more tired. <laughs> oh, maybe, yeah. So when you say that, though, Pete, I'm going to go back to what I asked before. Um, is this a sense of just physical tired that you just don't have the energy for what you're doing? Or is it uh, because the routine has changed and it's not as inspiring as it was before? Well... I think it's physical tired in terms of sometimes it can mm -hmm. happen in the morning mm -hmm. in terms of, hey, similar hours of sleep and yet not feeling as zesty. And I mean, I, I'm excited to have this conversation. I was looking forward to it. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, that's still there. Okay. So um, you said feeling zesty in the morning. So is this about the energy you wake up with or the energy at the end of the day or all day? <laughs> well, I guess it's both in terms of, you know, I would like to have more energy left when the kids are asleep to have quality time with my wife and such. But it seems like, mm -hmm. oh, man, just doing these dishes <laughs> seems hard <laughs> before I could fall asleep. Uh, so, yeah, I guess it's on both sides. Hmm. All right. So it's an all day thing. OK, so what you would like, um, what I heard you say is you would like to not only have more energy at the end of the day, but you want to wake up um, with more energy. So, you know, I'm just wondering, is it when you say wake up with more energy, is it the energy to hop out of bed or just to feel more excited about your day? I think it's a bit of both, but I think more about the hopping out of bed. You know, it's like, I don't wake up and go, oh, I dread what I have to do today. I don't feel that. Okay. So it's a physical energy. Yeah. Okay, so what's changed for you that would uh, create this? Well, we got the whole coronavirus business, uh, for one. And so with that, I guess we sort of don't have as much support in terms of the nanny's not coming by. <laughs> um, so that's different. I guess the diet has changed in terms of more packaged foods. So, yeah, those leap to mind there. All right. So you named a couple of things. Diet has changed. You said the coronavirus thing. So what does that mean? Is it because of the worries around that or just that it changed your schedule? I think it changed our schedule and we have less sort of concrete support, you know, in terms of like the nanny doesn't come anymore. And so, yeah, I think worries were a part of it. And I've kind of just conscientiously decided, all right, we're just going to dramatically reduce the news intake. Mm -hmm. And that was helpful. Okay. Well, I want to point out, well, you started by saying you were worried, like, oh, is this the downhill road now <laughs> in terms of age? Um, but then you named all the things that we're dealing with right now that are situational that, uh, you know, hopefully at least in a year from now, we won't be looking at life this way. Maybe it might take two years, <laughs> but it's situational. So, now that you're saying all this, do you think this is just a situational problem or do you really think that there's a degradation physically? Well, you know, it may very well be, you know, it was interesting when you said maybe two years, it's like I, I was feeling riled up, like, 
I'm not going to live like this for two years, <laughs> like this in terms of lower energy. I mean, I guess I might be able to comply with safe practices. Okay, but I want to point that out. That's great. Yeah. I'm not going to do this for two years. You had a reaction. Uh-huh. So if there was this, okay, this is going to go on longer, what would you change right now to give yourself more energy? You know, it's funny. I've sort of thought along those lines a bit. Well, I guess more just sort of basic, like the fruits and vegetables would be swell. Hmm. I've made some headway in uh, hydration because I sort of kind of forgot a bit about that. Yeah, it's interesting. I think it's like I'm kind of capable of generating a bunch of things here. And I don't know, maybe that's the answer is like, hey, Pete, it's not one thing, it's a dozen things. And most of the time, I find that one or two things is way more leveraged than a lot of things. Yeah. Okay. So what I hear is that you know what it is that you need to do. You just haven't sat down and said, this is what I need to do and done it. So what's going on, Pete, that you are not doing the things you need to do? Oh, well, in a way, it's sort of like a vicious cycle of tired. It's sort of like, oh, that seems like a lot of work. <laughs> it's a great you excuse. Then you don't do it, and then you're tired <laughs> because you didn't do it. So I think that's in the mix a bit. I guess sometimes it's just sort of boring, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, there's, you know, eating a salad or drinking water and putting my time and attention and thought to those matters is way less interesting than preparing for this conversation we're having, Marsha, or uh-huh. or exploring this really cool opportunity that just landed in my inbox. But hey, Pete, why don't we do a course where we love, you know, like, oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, yeah, that's part of it. It's just kind of boring, mundane, not as interesting as um, all the other things I'd like to think about. Okay, so that's the belief that you have around it, that hydration and eating salads is boring. (laughs) I suppose I do, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, I'm wondering if there's a way of making your salads interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there are these zesty uh, Zesty. tortilla strips, which I love. (laughs) I have run out of them. I have been out of zesty tortilla strips. Well, uh, there you go. Those are fun. (laughs) Well, how important is it to you, Pete? Well, uh, can you calibrate me? Is there a scale? Or uh, I'd say pretty important. Okay. I mean, I won't die if I don't do it. Mm-hmm. But uh, it would be pretty lame to subsist like this for years. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, so I want to go back to, again, your first thing was you were worried that, um, well, what if this is it? You know, that I'm just going to, I'm just losing my energy because that's the way it goes biologically, to you've told me that, well, there's just some things that I know that will help, but I don't want to do them. (laughs) So what does that mean to you? Well, on one hand, it's hopeful, like, okay, cool. You know, I'm not doomed. On the other hand, it's, I don't know if shameful is the word, but it's like, come on, man, (laughs) what's the deal? (laughs) You know, it's just changing habits. You know that. Mm-hmm. It's not about torture. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's just changing the habits of what you're doing right now. You said, too, that's part of what's happened is because of uh, everything that's going on. You're eating more packaged food than normal, you know. So, so again, it's changed your habits and not in a positive way. Um, but it, it, since you're aware of that and you know what it is you need to do, 
you know, what would you be willing to do just to test out if it would give you more energy? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, we can get a salad situation going here. Mm -hmm. I've got my giant salad container, which I've used many times for bulk salad prep in advance, which Mm -hmm. had been a nice habit that I I kind of fell out of. So yeah, that's one thing I'm happy to do. Okay. So when are you going to do that? I will order the food items today. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) All right. Well, there we have it. Thank you. You did not say, well, Pete, what you got to do is uh, there's this amazing energy drink, <laughs> you know, it'll solve all the problem. You know, hey, a lot of people with the coronavirus have been forgetting about uh, exercise. And so you need to do that. So that's what you didn't do. And we heard what you did do. Do you have any additional comments on the exchange we just had? I mean, of course, there were things I wanted to tell you. I just had my salad right before our conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I exercise every day. I'm probably about twice your age. <laughs> And um, I've found the things that I enjoy, but it doesn't matter what I do. You know, it's what you do and what you want to do. And um, is there anything that you can create that that would be acceptable that you'd stick to? You know, and so I I intentionally avoid telling you what I do. Um, but that's what most people do. They go into their own stories and say, here, P, here's what works for me. That's okay if that's what you want. But most of the time we don't want that. You know, um, it's like, Pete, you're a smart guy. You know what it is you need to do. What's stopping you from doing this? What's gotten in the way right now? What has changed? Um, and what's the rut that you've put yourself in? that's keeping you from doing some things that you know would be useful. That's what I want to know. And I think because that's what I want you to know, because as soon as you see that, you'll know what to do. So that's what coaching's about. Uh-huh. All right. Well, well, thank you. Well, so now I- I'd love to get your view. So, hey, if folks want more of this, well, one, we could hire a coach. <laughs> but uh, if <laughs> alternative to that, you know, how would you recommend that we kind of ask for and get more of this good stuff in our conversational life? Well, short of hiring a coach, and you know, there's plenty of coaches out there that are, um, that need to get their hours for their certification. So you can certainly find coaches (laughs) that um, maybe haven't been coaching for years, but are, you know, working toward mastery. Um, But you heard these skills are not hard. And if you have, we had coaching buddies when we go through coaching school. I think that if you could just, uh, you know, get a good friend that you trust, that's not going to sit there and try to fix you, um, but that would want to learn how to do this, that you um, can be a coaching buddy for each other and practice the skills. Um, you know, short of the book, if you, you know, look on my website, um, I have all kinds of lists and videos and of how to do this in an easy way. I'm creating a little video series of like two, three minute videos on these skills that you can practice uh, no matter who you are. So um, I just think get somebody who's interested in learning how to do it and practice with each other. All right. Well, Marsha, tell me anything else you want to make sure to mention before we hear about some of your favorite things. Just to recognize that there's great value. Um, in helping people think instead of just giving them good ideas. <laughs> that they'd rather you be with them and listen to them than to uh, tell them what to do. Okay, thank you. Well, now could you share a favorite quote, something you find inspiring? 
there's a quote right on my wall over here that says, when I operate in the service of my vision, it no longer is important that which I'm afraid. Uh-huh. And so if we have a vision, if we have a picture of where we're going in life and just keep moving to that, then yeah, fear is going to be there, but we move forward anyway. All right. And how about a favorite study or experiment or bit of research? You know, there's there's a lot of research out there in in terms of the value of coaching, but there's one that I always go back to that says your, your greatest coaching fears. And we're always afraid that um, if we don't give a, advice to people that we're not valuable. And that's just not true. So this guy did a study on the, the many coaching fears we have. And that was it, is that we think either we're not valuable or we're going to hurt somebody by coaching. You know, and my mentor coach always said, nobody ever died from coaching. <laughs> so uh-huh. I really like looking at what are the fears and how much of them are true and not true. Like in anything, most of the time our fears are not true. Okay. And how about a favorite book? You know, I do like Michael's book, <laughs> Michael Bungay-Stanier, uh, The Coaching Habit. Uh, I like the way it's laid out and that it's simple and it's very useful for leaders. Uh, to really think through what is it that I'm doing in this moment that's really helping someone to think forward. Uh-huh. And how about a favorite tool, something that you use to be awesome at your job? A lot of what I'm talking about uh, comes from this. I, I mentioned John Dewey. He's an educational reformer, but he wrote a book in 1910 called How We Think. And he really laid out coaching. To me, he was the father of coaching. And he said, he was trying to get teachers to get students to think more broadly for themselves. And he was the one that coined the term reflective inquiry. And I would say that's the tool that I use, that it's not just about the questions we ask, but the reflections we use. And so his um, use of reflection, of summarizing, paraphrasing, encapsulating, bottom lining, those are my favorite tools. Uh Uh-huh. And do you have a favorite habit? I wake up um, like 3.30 every morning. (laughs) And when do you go to bed? (laughs) I go to bed at 8.30. But um, I love waking up early and getting work done and talking to my clients in Asia and uh, Europe very early in the morning. And but I grew up and I was I was born in Arizona and I still live here. And so it's just hot. If you don't go out very early, it's just too hot. So that habit was created when I was a child. <laughs> and you say you've been quoting yourself a lot. Is there a particular nugget you share that really seems to connect and resonate and get quoted back to you? Mastery is the deepening of presence, not the perfection of skills. Mm-hmm. And if folks want to learn more, get in touch, where would you point them? Well, my website is covisioning.com and I'm just Marcia, M-A-R-C-I-A at covisioning.com. And uh, I'm always online like everybody and answering questions. I'm on LinkedIn and uh, everywhere else you can find me. Um, so happy, happy to connect and answer the questions you have. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Marsha, this has been a treat. I wish you all the best in your reflective inquiring and adventures in Arizona and around the world. Thank you.
Well, if you were wondering, I did in fact get those zesty tortilla strips refilled and made a bulk salad in the bulk salad container, ate it and did have a little bit of an energy boost. So thank you, Dr. Marsha. That was handy stuff. And I hope you found it handy to see how you can use that reflective inquiry process all the readily, kind of whenever the time arises. And I really dug her suggestion about a coaching buddy and how you'll notice. So Marsha is a super pro coach in the world of coaching. Yes, that is sort of well established. Nonetheless, if you look at what she did, nothing that she did was like crazy brilliant. I mean, no offense. (laughs) I'm sure there are other conversations she has that are, but I've seen the same thing in my experience with coaching and practicing coaching and working with experienced coaches and sort of up and coming coaches who are just in the midst of their completing their certification is that really, if you just listen and reflect, you can be supremely useful to folks. And when it comes to coaching buddies, I've even thought it might be fun to create a a full community of how to be awesome at your job that includes people getting matched up for coaching buddies. So you can have that almost on demand as soon as you can sort of schedule a 30 minute or whatever window with a coaching buddy who is into the show. So you know they're cool. Anyway, been thinking about that as an idea. If that sounds crazy amazing to you, please email me, Pete at awesomeatyourjob.com to encourage me to do it. Because <laughs> I got tons of ideas. And what I really need to know is what you would do. It can be super valuable for you. Anyway, the show notes, the transcript, the links to items we've referenced are at awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep575. If you haven't already, I hope you'll push subscribe to catch our next guest. It's Erasmus Hugard. He is the leader of the organization that teaches mindfulness to more companies than any other in the world. So pretty cool. Great insights on terms of resilience and being able to focus. Hope you catch you there and peace. Thanks for listening. To get the most out of the show, we recommend two key things. First, check out the extra resources at awesomeatyourjob.com. You can find this episode's transcript and links, as well as the perfect episode for your situation. You can search the full text transcripts of hundreds of episodes or explore episodes tagged by topic and competency covered. Second, subscribe to the podcast and get future episodes automatically. You can subscribe by telling Siri and several other smartphones and speakers, subscribe to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast or by tapping subscribe in your podcast player of choice. If you'd like some extra help figuring out podcasts and how subscriptions work, visit awesomeatyourjob.com slash subscribe for guidance. Hope to catch you on the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job.